All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is Cut To It with Steve Smith Sr., a production of The Black Effect and iHeartRadio. I'm Steve Smith Sr. And I'm Gerard Littlejohn. And this is Cut To It. Cut to it, cut to it, let's get down to it, cut to it. We ask the questions you always want to know, but no one ever asks. Let's cut to it. You ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. It's on. Go to snacks. We talked about yesterday. Like the going to the candy lady. Oh yeah. You wanna do that one? Let's do that. What up, G? Good morning. Good afternoon. What's up, brother? What's up, brother? How you doing? Man, I'm feeling good. Over the weekend, took my daughter out. We just we just um you know, running errands, going to the grocery store, this, that, and I had to stop and get gas. And so she loves going into the gas station. And we go in, and she's like, I want to grab some snacks. Is there so I'm a like, particular gas station? QT. Or just she's, anyone? She, no, she's so brand you, loyal. She's brand loyal. Okay, because I, I wanted to make sure. I, I didn't want you to take my niece to just like any old one that, like it might be a Chester at the front <laughs> desk that it looks like he's trying to... Snatch kids. No, nah, no, no, no. Have um, you been in no some of those? No, no Chester's around. You've been in some of those gas stations. I, I, here in North Carolina, when I first yeah, got you here. Got, you got you got corner stores. You got little, they call them hup-ins down here. When I ca- first got here, I thought it was super weird going to a gas station and the cashier was smoking a cigarette. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, like, so you, have, you still haven't been to like deep, deep south, though. Like, you, you, you'd be surprised some of the stuff you said. That's a, that's a whole different It says no smoking by the... Listen, you you got to think, man. We some people are still decades behind here in North Carolina. So some man, I, some people ain't got some of the memos. Hold, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. What does decades behind have anything to do with 1990, 1980, 1770? Gasoline is still flammable. <laughs> what, what what is that? What does the year have to I'm, do with? I'm just telling you. So you're telling North me Carolina, back in the, down 60s, in the south, can't, some people operate. A little bit different. 
I'm right. I'm telling you. Take a so anyway, so anyway, we um take we, a puff we, of that cigarette too, much. That'd be your last puff. So anyway, um, so we run into QT and she's like, she want to grab some snacks. So she gets uh, some Pringles, get some Airheads. We get back into the car, and so she she's never had Pringles before. What? And so yeah, yeah. So man, you need to get out. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm sitting there and I'm thinking I'm like, has she had Funyuns? Nah, I'm, that, that's I'm, that's I'm, that's your kind of snack. I am, that's that. That's I am that ending stuff. our friendship. Yeah, you are. You your kids don't. She just. I mean, you got like a Funyuns face, so I, I expect that. I would kick you in your chin <laughs> right now. But anyway, look, back back to back to the story. So I'm sitting in the car. We get back in the car, and she's eating these snacks, and it took me back, man. And we we've, we've talked about like where you grow up, where I've grown up, and so for me, one of the things we always should do, whether I'm walking to the barber shop, whether I'm walking to um, my grandmother's house, anything like that, I used to love stopping at the store, yeah. and I get a, and I got a couple of dollars, or whether I'm going to the barber shop, and you know, my mom gives me, I need it. Two dollars and ten cents because the um, excuse me a dollar ten cents because the soda was sixty cents mm. and then the snack was fifty cents so mm. they always get you, you can just have one dollar you can just have one dollar to get your snacks you look like you some, you look like you got tell me if this snack is I, correct I, I got my go to so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a loaded up Let's, I think I think your snack was you probably got a soda and a, a big thick pickle. No, no, absolutely not. That's your see. That's that's what was on your mind. So I I can see you got a you got Actually, a pickle, I hate pickles. You got a you got a pickle mind. Oh, any any anywho. Yeah. So uh, no, my go to snack was Tom's hot fries. Tom's Tom's hot fries. Okay. See, so Tom's hot fries yeah. and um and a, and a, it and had a orange sun kiss. Yep, blue and white pack. Yeah, yeah, blue know, and white pack. That know. was my go to orange sun kiss. Go to barbershop snack while okay. snack cuts my hair, gives you a fade. He's smoking a black and mild while he cuts you. A little bit of black and mild ash might fall on your face, but it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Mm -hmm. You still got a fresh cut. But that was my go-to snack. So it took me back because it made me think, you know what? Like my daughter is enjoying going to the store, just getting a snack. And, and it takes me back. What, what was yours? What's your, what was your go-to? Well, first of all, we had a candy lady. Yeah. In the, in the candy neighborhood. Candy lady neighborhood. Yeah. We so had we one had, too. Miss Deb. Yeah. We had a candy lady. So you go to the house. So you, what, yeah. For some of our listeners, we might, even, we might need to explain. What's the candy lady? So the candy lady is mm -hmm. this. <laughs> So you go to there's a house, mm -hmm. um, no residential she, house, a residential mm -hmm. house. She doesn't have a license. Get no, over yourself. That's that's she, why we call it a candy lady because yes. she ain't supposed to be selling the no, snacks, she but she sell them to, anyway. But, hey, hustle, hustle, yeah. hustle. Uh -huh. Right. So that's when back home they um they don't they have them Costco's and Sam's. They but buy they, them in bulk. But they call the bulk places before Costco and Sam were really really up there mm -hmm. it was called smart and final okay so you get smart and final back home and you, you can get the the sour patch kids yep. right the m&m's so the, the, the big old the pack the big old pack the big old variety pack the yeah. variety pack yep. 50 in there the little debbie and, cakes and they sell you for 25 cents mm -hmm. so that's, how they, and that's how they make their money and you go in there with change mm -hmm. right the only kind of places you can kind of hand the only places on the growing up in the hood that accepted change was a candy lady mm -hmm. Um, you can't, you know, you, you couldn't give everybody change. Everybody uh, didn't accept change. So, um, so you had that. So we would have, basically we go in there and do all that stuff. And, um, so you buy, so my go-to, like my go-to snack as a kid, um, was always like a fruit punch, okay. fruit punch drink. It okay. didn't matter. It would be high like C fruit punch. punch. I didn't really like Hawaiian punch. I was scoring. My mom used to buy it mm -hmm. and I hated it. So I just don't like Hawaiian punch. Okay. Like so, as we continue to do the podcast, you'll know there's I've been wounded by my folks in some areas. So there's two things that would really run me hot 
um, that I personally have a problem with is Sade. Because um, oh. every Saturday. Man, that's the official cleaning music. Yes, How do you every, hate Sade? I hate Sade because Sade come on and that means whatever I had planned, I was doing Saturday morning. Because you about to smell like pine saw all yes. morning. <laughs> yep. Pine saw. And, oh, one time I was passed out because she sprayed pneumonia. Yeah. Is it pneumonia Pons- or ammonia? Ammonia. Ammonia, yeah. Pneumonia, ammonia. Right. You cleaning up so you don't get pneumonia. Yes. <laughs> right. So she didn't tell me. So Sade was on, so I'm like, all right, I'm going to jump in the shower, take me a long shower so I can kind of miss some of the cleaning. Uh My mama Florence had an idea. Shout out to Flo. Four Miss Flo. All right. Man, she she sprayed. Uh, uh, um, Ponsel? No. No, um, Ammonia. Ammonia. You already got me mixed up. Yeah, right. She sprayed that in there. And so we had to shower that was like on the track. Oh yeah, yeah. right. You had to step over mm-hmm. in the tub, mm-hmm. right? That po folks right there. You got the you got the, you got the you got the inside shower curtain and the outside shower. No, curtain. not the sh- the screen. You just oh, you talking about the glass one? Yeah, the yeah, glass. Yeah, I, well, yeah, it no, wasn't no. glass. It was plexiglass, <laughs> yeah. right? And it had a little mess. So it was something like that. It had a little something mess, like so that. you can't see when you <laughs> nude, right? And it had the handle that you put your towel on, mm-hmm. right? And you better use that towel more than once, right? Yeah. And so. Um, so I open up, I turn on the shower, open it up. I don't know how I didn't smell it the first time, but I turn on the shower real quick. And I put my nose, I don't know why I oh, led with my nose first. Oh, that, oh, that chemical came out? I damn near passed out. Eyebrows probably burned off. No, I sniffed and I said, whoa. <laughs> and somehow my mom, Wonder Woman, uh-huh. right? Single black woman uh, raising two kids on $12,000 uh-huh. a year. Uh-huh. She caught me. Oh. Bro, I hit it and almost passed out. Do you think my mom gently woke me up? Well, I done told you, pay attention. <laughs> I didn't know. It, it wasn't like a ammonia sign on there. So how was I supposed to know? And, and then I had to clean up. So I had to clean up dirty booty and all. Uh-huh. While, and listen, while listening to Sade. While listening so to Sade. So that's got you side on Sade. So what was the other one? I don't know. I forgot. <laughs> but hey, anyway. But that's, but that's the whole point, man. So, But that's the whole point. Yeah. Like it really... Going to the corner store, yeah. going to get snacks, it brings up all that reminiscence. You know, walking to the barber shop, going oh. to the corner store too. Oh, whoa, well, you got the corner store, like you said, you got the candy lady, and probably in the same proximity, you got the liquor house. So you you got the you got the whole gambit, at least where I'm from, you got the whole thing right there. So yeah, you can oh you can you you can get exposed if 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 yeah. so be it. I mean, I remember one of my boys went to the uh, convenience store, the corner store. Um, and came back, brother didn't have no shoes on. Oh man. They took his shoes. They ran him for that. They took his Ruthless. shoes, dog. Ruthless. And one of my other boys got robbed. I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but he got robbed and a dude robbed him with a gun. He said, Let me see your lint. He was like, The lint? Oh, open up your pocket. The inside of yeah, your pocket. Open up your pocket. <laughs> he got robbed too. So Hey G, who's our guest for today? Coming up on the Cut to It podcast, we've got Tori Smith. Two-time Super Bowl champion, eight-year NFL veteran with the Ravens, 49ers, Eagles, Panthers, and he's the founder of the Tory Smith Family Fund with his wife, Chanel. Tory Smith on the Cut To It podcast. Right now, you're about to get ice stuff. It's our version of icebreakers, and so... We have a series of questions. They may or may not have follow-up. It just depends on how we feel. And how you answer. And how you answer, absolutely. First job you had as a teenager? Besides cutting grass and little odd jobs, my first real job was at Walmart. Walmart? You look like a greeter. 
Were See, you- actually, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you compare me to the aunties, man. <laughs> he checking receipts and everything. <laughs> that is crazy. I was actually at the cash register, man, and being in high school and having a lot of family in the area. Let me tell you, working at the cash register wasn't a fun experience because everyone wants to come to your line. They want to talk to you about everything, but I appreciate Wally's world. I got all my stuff for college. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Favorite color? Favorite color is blue. Why blue? I love the water. I just made that up, but I've always <laughs> enjoyed blue. But my favorite com- color combination is red and black. Oh, oh see, he went, okay. he went straight Terps there. Oh. I, I see what you did. Favorite movie <laughs> of all time? My favorite movie of all time is Forrest Gump. Mm, I have to agree. Because I love that movie. He literally was a part of so many historical moments, and he was like, he was just naive. Like he didn't know anything <laughs> that was going on around him, but he was accomplishing amazing things, and it was pretty cool to now, watch. Speaking of naive, when you were young, did you think that was real? I know I did. I thought Forrest no. Gump was real for a little bit. I for sure had to Google some things when I got a little bit older. Like, I had to make sure this was a base like, on the This dude was a nice kick return to Alabama. Right. You know, he's taking it to the house and running out of the stadium. Like, it's crazy. Stop. Hey, Stop. Man. I'm moving on. Okay. <laughs> one, if you can have one superpower, what would it be? Put me on the spot with this one. Um, I hate traffic, so I'd like to say I'd like to be able to fly. Mm. Okay. All right. So that's you, probably selfish. If you had to say something that's not Extremely selfish, that's selfish. not about you, I would say the ability to heal others. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. The last one. You're heading. You're heading to a deserted island. What do you pack? I can bring my cell phone, and I need you know a fishing pole. You know, go ahead and handle my business out there, and really the cell phone is just to communicate with people, um, if I can't bring my family, you know, I, I'm, I'm for sure as long as I can communicate, see them on FaceTime, we need a break from time to time. Um, but yeah, just all I need to survive, I'm an outdoorsman. I love being outside, I love being in space, and I'm also a social introvert. I love to be around people, but I also appreciate times when I can just be by myself. Man, the way you be on social media, you do not seem like an introvert, brother. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I, I had this social yeah. clock, like when I'm around people, and it's just like, man, this is enough. I'm out of here. Yeah, like, and then, and then you drink, go. right? Right. I'm Brother, around and I just have to be way. able to go. And I don't drink. I don't smoke. So certain environments for me are just when there's cigar smoke everywhere and people are just drunk and can't handle their liquor. I'm just ready to leave. Uh, where, where did you grow up? Uh, where are you from? Just like give us the rundown of James Tory Smith. <laughs> he pulled out the government name on you. Man, he put the government <laughs> name out there, man. Uh, I grew up in a small town in Virginia, a small town called Colonial Beach, Virginia. Mm. It's known for two things. The first president of the United States. Okay. From the area, George Washington, and also the general of the South, Robert E. Lee. Wow, look at that contrast. So, there isn't really too much going on where I'm from. It's country, <laughs> small town. All my family's from there. And I was raised with my mother. Mm-hmm. I'm the oldest of seven. Um, I was raised with my mother and my grandmother. And, you know, we kind of, we went through a lot growing up. You know, my mother had me when she was 16 years old. So we really grew up together. A lot of the mistakes she made, you know, I was right there along with her for the ride. Yeah. Um, she's, she's had times, 
you know, where she was incarcerated. She was in a very abusive marriage at one point. And, you know, I was right along with her on that journey. So all of the things that we went through uh, really made me who I am. Um, I had to mature and grow up a lot earlier than a lot of my peers. Mm -hmm. And because of that, you know, I was able to handle any and everything that came my way. You know, I tell people all the time, I knew everything there was about being a parent besides actually working. And, you know, I know there were some tough moments and things that, you know, most kids really shouldn't go through or experience. But for me now, being an adult, it for sure made me who I am. Your mom got incarcerated when you were, when you were young. You know, how young were you when she was incarcerated? Yeah, my mom, she was in and out of jail um, a lot because of the relationship that she was in. Mm -hmm. You know, they would fight all the time and fight all the time. You know, she used to fight when she was younger, you know, and her childhood wasn't the best either. So it really was just kind of generational curses in my family that I, you know, my whole goal was to learn from my personal experience and try to break them as an adult. And I remember when I was in probably second grade or so, it's probably the last time she was incarcerated. I take that back, it was in third grade. And she shot her ex-husband. Wow. She shot him. She said she was aiming for his body and she hit him in the knee. So good thing she can't shoot because, you know, she probably wouldn't be out here right now, but she had had enough. And that was probably one of the longest since she had. And, you know, it wasn't over a year, but she spent some months behind bars for sure. But I just remember being there and visiting her uh, one time. And to be honest, that was probably one of the last times I had actually been in a prison to visit a family member. There, there, I, there, I take that, but there's maybe two other times, but I never liked it. That, that was the last time I saw my mother behind bars, but that wasn't the last time that she was actually behind bars. Right. And I just couldn't put it in my my mind to to see her in that condition, you know, to see her behind bars because I know she's a flawed woman, just like I'm a flawed man. But that's my mom. I know I know her heart, and so it, it was tough for me to see that. Which is probably sounds crazy for me saying that because we we've, we've been to prisons together, yeah. um, you know, visiting people, and I can do that all day. But to me, it's tough you know, looking at my own family member, you know, in that situation. And it's something that I, I told her that I, I wouldn't do. And I, I I haven't to this day. Maybe I'll get over it a little bit. But to me, that's honestly a little bit of trauma there that I've, I've tried to stay away from. But, you know, it's like I said, it, it wasn't the last time that it happened, but it was the last time for a long time before she had another incident. You're saying that you're still traumatized. What What are some of the things that you're dealing with you know, obviously as a man, a father, a husband, you know, and then ultimately a son that you're still trying to get through. Yeah, that's probably one of the biggest things for me as an adult. You know, you you don't realize things when, when it happens to you, right? And as men, especially black men, mm-hmm. you're kind of taught to just suck it up, hold it in, yep. stay to yourself yep. and keep going. You know, I found myself as a youngin, you know, being angry. Um, about certain things. And I didn't really know how to communicate it. And so I understand when I see a kid now that's lashing out. And I'm like, man, like, I see that because I've been in your shoes. Um, As an adult, looking at my kids now, you know, whether it's abuse, whether it's the way I communicate with my wife, 
Like these are all things that I had to learn. Like you don't know that you have issues until yeah. you're around someone <laughs> yeah. that lets you know that you're wrong. Yeah. Well, you didn't have a playbook, right? And and experiencing that kind of trauma, it's 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 definitely big. And I think for all three of us, I know you know Smitty has his own background. I, I, my mom has been through, and, and is a survivor of domestic violence as well. Yeah. And so it it is a lot. And while I didn't witness my mom, you see the reverberations and how you just deal with her. And so just sharing that of you know how you deal with your mom, and 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 the and the the trauma that you've dealt with it. That's and it's. It's it's tough because we all are, you know, we all are taught just kind of deal with it, go on, we 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 process it and we move on, but we really don't process it, do we? No, we, we don't. don't at all. We and that's the toughest thing. Process it, bro. Just thinking about it, mm -hmm. going back in some of the stuff that I witnessed as as a as a youngster, watching my mom deal with some of the stuff that she's she dealt with with her her, her husband. When he was when he was alive when I was younger, I can I can literally go back and close my eyes and mm -hmm. see those times at like midnight, one a.m. when the when my mom's you know now he's passed away. Husband used to just berate her and talk mm -hmm. down to her, and she was I remember specifically. One time she was, he was standing over her, calling her all these kind of names and she was crouched down mm. and just fearing for her life. And we were living on Cambridge Avenue mm. in a duplex. And I just remember yeah. that even at 41 right now, I can remember that. You can remember the smell. You can remember I, all I those can, things. I can remember yeah. the paint color. Yep. I remember the, I remember the it's like crazy. the, the, what are they, I don't even, now that I'm, I guess now that I'm, I'm an adult and got a little change in my pocket, like they don't even, they, we call them armoires, but they were like TV stands. Oh yeah. yeah and yeah. I can remember the TV stand. Like I can visualize everything. everything. Mm -hmm. And so hearing what you said, I can't imagine. I don't know. I guess for me is there some shows that I watch today. Triggering that I have to turn off because it triggers mm -hmm. something in me that stirs something up in me that's just like overwhelming. Yeah. So I'm, I can't imagine, do you go through that now, Tori? Do you dip, you know, if you watch it, obviously how violent shows are, you, you, when you see someone, especially a woman that is maybe pulling the trigger of a, of a significant other, do you go back in time a little bit? Do you have that trauma or are you just kind of like, ah, oh, it's just a TV show? No, it for sure brings you back to that moment. You know, just listening to y'all, like, you know, I, there's a thousand incidents that I can think of where I remember the smell of the car. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, you remember every single thing. And that to me, isn't something that I realized, like it stuck with me, not because it was a great memory, but it was a traumatic experience. Yeah. And so when you're watching TV and you see a story comes up or you're looking at a kid that's curled up that feels like, they're powerless, yep. you know, like you remember what it was like to be in that situation. You know, when you're watching a man and his tone dealing with the woman, you realize, dang, like that's an issue, you know? And, and even in myself, like I try to make sure that even when I'm talking to my wife, that I'm not letting my tone get to a place. I will never physically put my hand, yeah. my hands on my wife, but I know that the way my tone could be, 
could be just as dangerous mm -hmm. as putting my hands on my wife. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's important for me to know, but I come from a family where communication between my mother and my grandmother was hostile. You know, my mother in the way we communicated at times, like she talked to us because of her own pain was hostile. Mm -hmm. And so you had to learn like, if that's all you know, you think that's just it's how normal. people communicate. You, or you think Especially it's when normal. they're upset, right? Yeah, it's, and it's, it's crazy what my we wife introduced me to the fact that no, like you're not about to talk to me like that and just think I'm okay. <laughs> Right? Like, and so there's things that I seriously, like my wife, like people talk about being woke now about social issues. Like my wife made me woke and aware of my own issues that I haven't dealt with or that I needed to deal with. How are you dealing with those right now? Man, I've, I've had to talk to counselors in the past. I've had to talk to my peers. I've had to talk to Steve Smith. I've had to talk to Anquan Bolden. Hmm. You know, I've had to talk to some of my receiver coaches, Jim Hostler. Bobby Ingram, yeah. you know, like there are some some great men um, that I've I've had the Adam Henry, you know, he's down yeah. there in Dallas right now to receive coach yeah. for the Cowboys. Like these are men that I was able to talk to about real issues, but guess what? They all had experiences too, yeah. which is something that, to me, and being in an environment where, like I said, as young black men and even mental health in the black community in mm -hmm. general, it's like a stigma. Yep. Yeah. Like it's negative to go get help. Yep. The reality of it is like no one, if you continue to hold all of this stuff in, like why, you're why never you gonna think, be able to heal and move on. Why do you think it's, it's such a big stigma? And obviously in the black community, and mm -hmm. the reason I say the black community is because you're listening to Tory Smith and Cut To It and this is an audio podcast and we're black. Yep. So that's why Newsflash. we're saying black men, because I don't know what it's like to not be a black man, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I also don't act like I know what it's like to be a non-black man. And mm -hmm. so there, there is, especially right now in this climate, mm -hmm. that there is a little bit of times people are like, well, why does it always have to be black, you know, or why does it have to be race? You know, sometimes race is just used as a, you know, as a measuring stick mm -hmm. or also just to, to paint a picture of right. what people experience. Like, I mean, I, you know, I hate to say it this way, but a, a short guy has no idea what it's like to deal with being a seven foot tall guy right. trying to get into a little small car. Like there are things that you have to deal with that other people don't have to deal with. So that's why I say as a black man or black men, why is mental health such a stigma in a community where when you really think about it, when you just strip away all the everything, bro, you got to imagine Tori, what you've dealt with as a young man, mm -hmm watching your mother shoot her husband, mm -hmm. me watching my mom get beat by her husband, mm -hmm. Gerard watching his mom get beat by her husband, and to say that this doesn't have an impact on you, you don't see the world a little bit with apprehension, mm -hmm. man, you gotta be blanking kidding me. It, 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 it's what we have experienced as young men, there's some people are walking in that are walking around have never experienced that. Yeah. Will never experience it. And thankfully, my kids will never experience having to watch me put my hands 
mm-hmm. on my wife. The only thing I put my hands on is a gentle hand mm-hmm. on my wife. But you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> no, it just I, I, it's 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 experiences, man. Yeah. And, and I think what what all of us are saying is that we're just so often taught as black men, and maybe it's men in general, yeah, but our experiences men. are as black men. We're taught suck it up. Don't say nothing. Don't yeah. tell the family secrets. We ain't gonna talk about mm. Uncle Uncle Earl down the street and, and what he's done, right? Like we just we mm-hmm. we always and Tori elaborate on it. We just always keep it within. We keep all our family business within the family. That's just you it. Just seems to be how it, yeah, you don't air your dirty laundry. Yeah, it's about to me, and I think that's trauma in itself. Um, one thing that in the black community that we've struggled with, specifically along the lines of mental health is that it's like all right everyone around you is dealing with it right and it's that's like generalizing it but what people are saying is okay uncle uncle earl was dealing with it you know you you could talk to your peers there's some people dealing with the exact same things but it's like you want to protect the people in your home still in spite of their flaws you know And, and we are consistently told and taught as men to toughen, like it's about mm-hmm. being masculine and strong. Like you're weak if you have to reach out and you can't control what your thoughts are in your mind. You know, and in other yeah. communities, you know, it's important to speak of. Like I know people who are, you know, some of my white friends from high school who were dealing with issues with sports mm-hmm. and dealing with losing. And it was okay for them and their parents were willing to have them reach out to a counselor or to a therapist. In a black community, oh, you talking to the crazy folks. Yeah. Oh, you going, so you gotta go to the crazy house. Yeah, yep. Like, you know, you kind of get judged for wanting to reach out to get help. So that's why it's important for men like us to speak out about it because people are dealing with issues. A lot of the issues we see now, whether it's crime, really specifically talking about crime, when you see it, you know, I see the kid who witnessed abuse, who had no guidance, who couldn't trust people like I couldn't trust people. Absolutely. Because the people who are responsible for providing for you are putting you in environments that you know as a child you shouldn't even be in. Like, Mm -hmm. you're going to have some trust issues. Yep. You know, you may follow the wrong crowd because of that. And that's not to make excuse for everyone's issues, but I understand. Yeah. And so to me, like, that's a a big stigma that we have to continue to talk about because again, we all have these problems and I would have never known Steve had these problems if I didn't talk to Steve about it, right? I didn't, I wouldn't know if G had it, we didn't talk about it. Mm So it's important for us to continue that conversation, man, and to be better and and to break that because we have our issues, dealing with your trauma Mm -hmm. and negative experiences, you can't do it alone. We need to pause, take a moment, refresh yourself. I love cut to it, and I I love it even more when you download us and subscribe. And you can follow us on social media too, Smitty. Where where at? That's at cut to it on Instagram. What about Twitter? At cut to it. Facebook. Cut to it featuring Steve Smith Senior. What about online? And you can follow us at cut to it podcast.com where you can buy merch and you can subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. I got all my answers questions. Um, I got all my questions answered. That's what I'm here for, brother. Cut to it podcast.com. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. 
then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. How did you handle carrying all this to the University of Maryland? At some point, you know, I don't know if there was something that, I wouldn't say there was honestly a moment where anything just clicked, but that was just my life, right? Like I, I was, no matter what was going on around us, my mother said, I need to have good grades, mm. right? Regardless of our situation, we could be moving, you know, basically out of our car. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I moved before I was 16. We moved over 20 times. And you go, and no matter what happened, I was supposed to still have great grades. Stay right there, though. You moved 20 times because of what? Why did you move 20 times? Because when somebody hears, well, you moved 20 times, they just go, man, that's a lot. But your mom had you when you were six, when she was 16. You are one of seven. Okay, 16 years old, having a child, that is a fiscal responsibility that's tough. And it, and it doesn't seem like you're a military brat. It, yeah, you're not. No, a, it ain't not like you was, she was getting relocated because of her. She was a CEO of a company. Right. She was a child having a child. Right. I mean, when you think about, you know, for my mother, when let's give her to she's in her 20s. Yeah. Right. She's living, she's working. My mother always worked. That's one thing. She's a grinder. No matter what happened or what I'm telling you about, like my mother was a grinder. That's where I got my work ethic from my mother and my grandmother because they did whatever. Like being young and moving, you know, there are different instances. So for example, right? I told you she met this abusive, this abusive ex-husband of hers. And I remember the first time we had to leave my town of Colonial Beach was because we got evicted. We got evicted because this guy punched the guy that was coming to fix something in the house in the mouth. And then the lady, the maintenance lady, the lady who's managing the property, excuse me, not the maintenance lady, the manager of the property, they went over there to talk to her. He beat her up and the other people. So the apartments that I grew up in, my mom is technically barred off the property right now because of him. And you talk about a traumatic experience when my grandmother lived down the street and, you know, obviously I went to go live with her, you know, with my brother. 
And in the meantime, till my mom could find a place. And I remember watching them take all of our stuff out and put it on the corner. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't have a storage unit, right? We didn't have money for that. We didn't have a trucks to, to go and pick it up and maybe put it somebody. I'm watching people go out there and take our stuff. And I'm like guarding it like a little chihuahua, like trying to protect, you know, their grandma owner, right? Like I'm walking around and I'm like, no, put it back. That's my brother's, you know, that's my toy that I'm trying to protect it. And I remember my grandma just grabbing me, coming out there and getting me and saying, it's okay, baby, just come on. Like, we'll get it back. Mm-hmm. And like that moment to me hurt. Man, it still hurts even talking about it now. I know it sounds little, like man, nah, it's, it's just, not little. What, what, but like, man, like that that hurt, you know, just watching all of that just go out the window. And not even because of her mistakes, just because of the man that was able to influence her. Mm-hmm. And understanding that too, um, while I'm talking about the man that was able to influence her, learning from him, it wasn't just about the abuse aspect or mm. the power that men have, but watching him did let me know the power that we have mm. um, to influence a woman who wants to be led, a woman who's willing to trust you and love you and give you their all. Mm. Like we have the power to influence them and we, and to whom much is given, much is required. And too often, you know, we ne- neglect our responsibility and take advantage of women mm. for selfish reasons. And <clears throat> I was able to learn that from him. You know, cause I, I used to, you know, I would have some hard feelings towards my mom. Like, you know, like, how can you be this stupid? Like, I know, I know this is wrong mm. and I'm a kid. So if I know this is wrong, this is wrong. Why can't you just leave? Bro. You know, why are we in this situation? Why Bro. do you keep getting, why you keep fighting him? You're going to jail because of him. If I'm able to recognize this as a kid that y'all are the problem relationship wise, why can't you? And then I got older and I realized, okay, you know, though I was in College Park, but just getting ready to leave College Park, she had multiple kids and had him to influence her. Hmm. And the perspective matters, you know, and even though I do feel like, you know, it's it's tough to, or it, it shouldn't be that hard to recognize it. I recognize that when you have issues yourself and you don't know what real love is, like that's an issue as well. And that's something that I struggle with as an adult. It's crazy what you're saying because I can go back and remember my mom married her husband. His name was Sylvester. And I remember when she married him, she had a little small ceremony after several times of him just dog just just dog cussing her and I remember the day she married him I was in a little ceremony I went to the bathroom I looked in the mirror and I remember that was the day that I lost my mom Wow! and I have not connected with my mom in the way that a child is supposed to connect with his mom to this day mm. and it's something that's so bad that in my second year in the league my second year in the league bruh off season, my mom calls me crying. Mm-hmm. She called me crying and said, she was like, I got to tell you something. I'm like, what's up? What? She was like, Sylvester died. I didn't care 
that Sylvester was dead. I was trying to figure out why are you calling me mm-hmm. after this man abandoned you, beat you down, and then you call me as an adult talking about a man who pretty much emotionally destroyed Richard, our yeah. family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And you calling me crying that he died. And he didn't die like they were together. He died because he got a robbery charge and died in jail of a heart wow. attack. Wow. And she's calling me crying and right. was upset that I didn't receive the information with, with empathy. Mm. I had no empathy. And, and, and talking about empathy and kind of going is like why one of the reasons I don't trust people is mm-hmm. I struggled with trust at such a young age in my household from the from the people that are that that give you life that's supposed to be the most trustworthy people that you can be is mom and pop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even till this day is one of the reasons why a stranger comes up to me and is like, "Hey, what's going on?" Well, I don't. I have no. I'm so guarded and so. Little Stevan, mm-hmm. little Smitty, that I'm like, nah, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to, I really don't want to interact with strangers because I don't know what that person's going to do to me. Yeah. I don't know how that person will impact me long term or short term. So I'm better off just keeping myself at a distance. Like, yeah. I could talk to people all the time or walk away and go, I will never talk to that person ever again. Wow. Just because I'm so closed in and I'm so yeah. wounded. Yeah. Right. And many months mm-hmm. and years and $125 to $300 a session mm-hmm. with a counselor that I believe now it was all worth it. I think I got more out of the other of session that they did, because if I didn't address those things, just like Tori, I think personally I would be in jail or dead right now just because of the wounds that I experienced yeah. and how much anger and loneliness that I had. I think it also just goes to show like the the tentacles that all this stuff has, oh, right? It's and just rooted. it's it's deeply rooted and it's and it's in you. And you know, as a 41 year old man, as as you know, men in their 30s, you know, Tori and I, it's the tentacles are deep and then and we can get into a whole different conversation. I know we'll have to transition, but it also shows how systemic some of this stuff oh, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. And my yeah. question to you to kind of lead back is you know, Tori, I know you you ended up going to the University of Maryland, but you were, you're you're a criminal justice major. Mm-hmm. Do you think any of your childhood mm-hmm. and coming up influenced you choosing that as a major and then transitioning during your playing career and now post your career, why you do so much criminal justice, social justice work? It had everything to do with it. Hmm. You know, I recognized early on that we had issues, systemic issues within our criminal justice system. You know, I'm watching people that I know and love um, going to jail for using drugs or even selling drugs. But I know people that don't look like them in terms of skin color Mm -hmm. that get fines or shorter sentences. And to me, like hearing that early on, like, man, he was doing the same thing my cousin was doing. Like, how how did that happen, right? Like, and so you start to learn things and, you know, you see the way, um, again, people are charged. There's a, there was a major discrepancy that I was able to see with my own two eyes. 
And beyond that, when it came to policing in general, um, which is still a part of the criminal justice system in my eyes, because you know that's a major branch, the, the police are the enforcers, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, I was able to witness police brutality at an early age. You know, I was able to see that some officers, please note that I said some. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree mm -hmm. with you. Some officers, some, not all officers. Some officers abuse power. And, you know, I've seen people get beat. I've seen people, you know, like the same way you pick, uh, the bully picks on uh, the kid in class. I've seen police officers pick on civilians. And to me, there's always a big difference, right? If the civilian uh, fights back at the bully, then there's an issue. Um, for them that could literally lead to death. I've only seen abuse, but it could lead to death if you mm -hmm. make the wrong move. So, mm -hmm. um, and not to mention the jail time that you're gonna get thrown at you. Um, but I recognized that at an early age and also in my mom's situation, which we didn't touch on, but I'm sure he probably will when I was in college. Um, my mother was arrested for the first time in over 10, 12 years, probably. And she was actually arrested for fighting my sister-in-law mm. and my mother was attacked first. And I know everyone says this, but you know, my sister-in-law will even say that's the truth. Uh, you don't hit my mother first mm -mm. and expect her to turn the other cheek. Mm. I know that's what we're supposed to do biblically, but Monica ain't doing that, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> just the truth. And you know, see my sister-in-law, um, Put her, put her hands on my mother. My mother passed my nephew, who she was holding at the time, um, passed my nephew off, and she ended up with a malicious wounding charge from fighting her, and apparently a tooth was loose and some other things. So, so I'm in college part. So she gave her, I don't mean to make light of it, but let's be honest, she gave her all she wanted. Yeah. Gave her everything that she wanted. <laughs> and some. And, and some more. And then some. Yeah. And it was, it was, a, it was in a good situation afterwards, mm -hmm. legally, because uh, it happened in the same county that my mother had experienced the majority of her charges, who had the same DA mm. that had been there for 30 years. So he knew her since she was a teenager. So so she got arrested. Got She's arrested. now in jail. You are what in college? I am finishing up my register sophomore year that spring. So Soph I'll never forget this. We were mm. at in Annapolis, Maryland. And they have an award where they bring together Navy and Maryland and they honor the MVPs. Well, I was the MVP of Maryland that year. And my mother was coming up for the banquet and she wasn't there on time. And I'm like, all right, I kept calling them like, man, where are you at? She didn't answer. And so they ended up popping up late. Um, and I saw her, she came up with my grandmother, but she had her hand wrapped and I was confused. Um, but clearly she had an altercation. She was like, I'll talk to you about it afterwards. Well, afterwards, she gets a phone call that you have a warrant out for your arrest. You need to turn yourself in. And she was like, well, what am I being charged for? You know, like she hit me first, um, which we know legally, you know, there's a difference between self-defense and putting the paws on somebody mm -hmm. in the words of Steve Smith. <laughs> um, you know, like there, there's legally, you know, you can run into some issues even if someone hits you first. She ended up turning herself in. This is in February. Hold on, though. One of the things I you skipped over because I I know you well enough. When she comes up late, and she has her hand wrapped, what's going through your mind, bro? 
Real talk, like be yeah. honest. I, I didn't, man, I didn't know she had an accident. I didn't know what, like, cause her tone, you know, there was so many, like, think of like banquet style. You yeah. had a banquet, there's mm-hmm. a couple hundred people around and- So you could, you, you couldn't, know, yeah, you couldn't you could, really like, investigate I couldn't dissect the tone. It, but I knew, was, I knew something was up. This is the thing. She didn't have a single scratch on her, so I'm like, you know, I'm like, I let you know her role in it, right? You know, so I'm like, I really, I was really confused. Like, did she cut her hand or what? But then when you see her answer that phone call, and you know, she's told that she had to turn herself in. You know, that's a different kind of conversation. I'm still thinking, even then, like, okay, well, she had to turn herself in. She'll get her out. They'll have her day in court, and they'll talk it out or whatever, and they'll drop the charge. Right? At the end of the day, it was a family issue. Yeah. Well. February of 2010 turned into my mom not being released until almost July or August of that same year. My mother couldn't afford a great lawyer. Um, She didn't have a bail that we could afford. This was a woman that was in jail that hadn't been in trouble for 10, 12 years, who had her rights restored, who we went from struggling, her working two jobs, and us barely being above the poverty line to all of a sudden she gets her rights restored. She educated herself throughout the entire process and she was making six figures. Mm. She gets into this incident and then she loses it all again. She's back at the bottom and I was hopeless. There wasn't a single thing that I could do to help this situation. I'm in college. Yeah. I can't really leave early. I don't have a job. I'm not having money. My brothers and sisters are home with her then um, fiance, well, husband now, but her partner back then. And what am I gonna do? You know, all this time, all these years, you know, I was there, I was in the house so I could help manage my brothers and sisters. And in this situation, I, I felt, powerless. Like I remember going to coach Friedgen's office and talking to him about it at Maryland. He was the head coach and I was in tears, man. I just like, man, there's nothing I can do. Mm. You know, like how am I going to make sure that the bills don't get cut off? Like my mom had bought a house. Like she was a homeowner now. Like y'all don't know how much things changed Mm. over that 10 years. And she was a homeowner. She's paying her mortgage on time. And now I'm trying to figure out how can I work during spring ball to try to make money? How can I get a job to try to make money to make sure that the bills are on? And you can't, and, so, and you can't really work because you're under scholarship. Exactly. You received right. the scholarship yeah. to, time. to you're a student athlete. That's a whole system in itself. Right? So you're a student athlete. Your mom is in, your mom is going to jail or she's currently in jail. You have six other brothers and sisters that are dependent now on you. You over here still trying to get Chanel's number, right? <laughs> <laughs> you trying to solidify your place in the world at the, at the University of Maryland. Mm-hmm. You're juggling now. You go from a student athlete kid to now all of a sudden a responsible adult, a responsible adult with limited resources. Mm-hmm. Like there is no there is no money that you can get from your coaches legally, right? Like yes. that didn't happen for me. Um, and I was able to find an internship that I was able to make some money from. And, you know, we just focused on the bills. Yeah. You know, like you talk about learning financial literacy. Well, when you know, okay, 
we're lucky that she uh, has a house that she bought or we will be getting evicted at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Right. So it would be moved 22 or 21. Right. And I knew then, and also I had a friend who was who was in the process of going through the draft and Bruce Campbell, which you guys know. Big Bruce. Um, he, yeah. He, Big Bruce actually loaned me some money, man. Mm. Um, he loaned me some money and that was the, he's the best man on way. That's one of my best friends in the mm-hmm. world. And along with that and working, I was able to make sure that the bills were paid and she didn't get evicted or they didn't get evicted because she didn't get out to July. And guess what? When she gets out in July, she has to start all over. Wow. She's a felon. So that, that, that six figure job gone. Wow. Everything's gone back to the bottom. So it's like the situation that she was in never even happened. And part of the reason why I left Maryland was because of that situation. And I talked about it a little bit, but everyone doesn't really know. And you, I'll probably just go ahead and tell you right now. You know, we went on that whole year and I was going to start my redshirt junior year football wise. And I remember getting on the phone when she got out in like July or August, I'm not sure of the month, but I just remember Coach Friedman gave me permission to leave practice. So I'm pretty sure it may have been August to go get her um, from jail. And so, I remember getting a phone call with her from the bill collectors and they were gonna foreclose their home. Hmm. And I was like, listen, if y'all can wait until New Year's, I'm going to have the money. I had no clue <laughs> if I was gonna be able to leave early. You know, I knew I was, you know, one of the higher rated guys, but I could have went out there and sucked anything. I could have got hurt, anything but I was just able to hold them off until New Year's. So my whole motivation that season, I had two classes during the fall because I front loaded everything and I graduated. I graduated that December, but also I played very well. And so I went to college. My number one goal was to graduate. And now I had the opportunity to go and try to provide and really save my family situation. And I ended up having that money on New Year's mm. and my family, you know, I had a place to stay. Got a place, got a place to stay now forever. Yeah, man, been blessed, man, for sure, thankful. There are so many young Tory Smiths, mm-hmm. Gerard Littlejohn, Steve Smith seniors, or Steve mm-hmm. Smith juniors, right? That are really trying to say, nobody gets me. Nobody really understands what I'm experiencing. I'm just a kid. I'm just somebody bitching and complaining. Nobody really understands. But you give light to what these young men and women, there are women, Mm -hmm. WNBA lawyers, doctors, women who are going through the same struggle who parents had them or mom had them at a young age Mm -hmm. that feel hopeless. What do you tell that person that's listening right now how they not give up? How do they not fall into the the into the mental drowning of looking at this? It really feels like un inability to to escape reality. Man, it's tough. You know, that's the first thing I tell people. It's tough. Um, it's not going to be easy. But I just let people know, like whatever you're experiencing or going through, when whether it's right now or a child in my shoes or even an adult that's still dealing with those issues. Mm-hmm. Like if you can control what you can control, 
you can make it out of your situation. Mm. You know, my entire hustle and grind and motivation wasn't about the situation that I was in the past. It was like, man, how do I make sure that when I'm older and I can control what I'm doing, that my life isn't like this? How do I make sure that the life for my future kids isn't going to be like this? And it wasn't, it's not all financial. You know, I like to tell people that it's not all financial, even though my definition of success is stability. Mm. Knowing where you're going to live, knowing that you're going to have the opportunity to eat, knowing that who you're going home to, your wife, your kids, like that's success to me. The janitor at my high school was a very successful man. He had all of that. Mm. You know, like the old President Obama is a very successful man. He has all of that. It's not a money thing. You know, when, and I think oftentimes we tie money to success, money for sure can help to facilitate (laughs) to get to that, to reach that level, but it's not the end all be all. For me, I told you, I moved (laughs) 20 some times. Being stable is a big deal. It's a big accomplishment. And that's something that regardless of what you're experiencing now or what you've experienced in the past, you can control not putting your hands on your partner or not being abused. You know, that's something that you can remove yourself from that situation, even though it's not the easiest thing to do. You can remove yourself from that situation. You know, you can try to work to provide, even though it's hard. And there are certain levels to certain jobs and you may have to take a step back to go yeah. forward, but it's something that you are capable of doing. Um, and simply just communicating and treat, treating people with respect is something that we're all capable of doing. So to me, I realized early on that my attitude, I could control it. Regardless of what was going on around me, I can control it. And I can't continue to project my feelings on other people. Like, and that's a really a humbling thing when you're like, man, like, what about what I think? Mm-hmm. You know, like no one feels, no one feels me, right? <laughs> like no you one say, understands me. You, you know? sound that's like, a- boy, you sound like, you sound like a conversation we used to have when, we, when I first got to the Ravens. Yeah, you, you know, matter let's, of fact, let's let's dig into that a little uh-oh. bit because I mean, <laughs> Tori, you are the first person that first teammate, the first teammate that we've had on cut to it. So you got to give Ooh, us let's a cut story. to it, so then. It's let, gonna be some good let's, stuff. Let's, let's let's cut to it. And here's the thing. So Steve tried to like pre-populate a story that we can get into. Now, Is I don't pre-populate I don't, a real word. Yes, sir. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a communications major, so I know I know some words a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> But um, so yeah, he tried to pre he tried to preload some stories. I Absolutely, don't want, I don't want those. I don't want those. Uh-oh. Give 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 us some really good stories between you hey, and be ca- Smitty. Be careful what side of the teammates. be careful what side <laughs> of the bread you butter. How, how, how much how much time do I have? Go ahead. You, you got all the time in the world. Go ahead. My favorite Steve story. One, well, I'm not gonna say my favorite, y'all. I have a whole you, list. Yeah, no, no, don't whole, don't limit it to one, brother. Of Steve, of Steve, we can cut to it on another episode. But Steve. I feel like I'm a pretty pretty balanced guy emotionally, even he though is. I have my issues. <laughs> Steve, um, he's upset one day. Oh, okay. And so I'm trying to Tuesday. talk to him like, <laughs> you know, I, I know y'all have never seen Steve be upset, but he was upset <laughs> one day. And I was like, Steve, man, it's all right, man. Just, you know, just, just relax. And the way he looked at me, I can, y'all can probably feel this look through the microphone. Oh, yeah. He looked at me like he was ready to kill me. He's like, you butter both sides of the bread. <laughs> <laughs> no, bro. And he was t- hot. 
Hey, don't and tell And I'm like, bro, I'm on your side. Like, <laughs> don't tell half of the story, though, dog. So here's what, here's, here's what happened. Okay. Tell, there tell there are two the, sides of the story, so and go so ahead. We're in the no, middle we can talk truth. about why he's mad. Go, you so, can tell him why you were mad. Okay, so we were, we were in OTAs. First mm-hmm. of all, I came to the Ravens. They gave me a signing bonus. Mm-hmm. They opened up the meeting, mm-hmm. and the offense coordinator at the time, who I respect, does not mention a 13-year vet that they just picked up. He okay. only mentions Tory, Jacoby, all these other dudes. So you disrespect the off-rip. Off-rip. Off-rip, I got it. All right. And so I'm like, bro, come on. See, this is, see, this is new to me. Come yes, on, tell you're, me. See, there's two so sides. he was like, yeah, you know, there's a lot story. of guys out here you can learn from. Tory Smith, Jacoby. I'm the oldest dude in the room, in the wide receiver room. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, cool. All right. That's how it's going to be. Gotcha. So now I'm running... I'm running, is this not accurate? I'm running with the fours. Like because I'm run- you wanted to? No, because, because that's who they put me with. I'm I'm playing wide receiver. You didn't receiver. know the offense yet, y'all. I that's didn't know the <laughs> offense. Did you know the offense, Tori? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> you just took a little thunder. <laughs> that's why he said you can learn from us. We already knew the offense. So right. I didn't know the offense. Right? <laughs> you see how I just flipped that? Yeah, I didn't know the <laughs> offense. But I'm I'm running with dudes that they not even throwing the ball when I'm in. They handing it off, <laughs> and I'm like, bro, they giving this it. This is a fact. So now, so now we're at the second level of disrespect. Yeah. So now I'm running with dudes that n- won't even be a training camp. Right. And I'm like, I can't display uh-huh. how good I am uh-huh. if I'm not even able to get the opportunity to show that this 33, 34 year old guy can still play. Uh-huh. And so I'm standing in the back of the line, earning my voice. But I'm like, to this day, I had no care in the world. I woke up on the (laughs) wrong side of the bed. I I was pissed off Smitty. (laughs) And so Joe Flacco, the quarterback, who can throw the ball 90 yards, 70 yards off his back foot like it's nothing. But he's in there, and one of my uh, one of our boys from Maryland, uh, Gerard Shepard, G. Shep. So we in two minutes, and I'm not getting no passes. So I'm running with the ones, cause Tory got a day off or whatever the case may be. I was on the field with. Yes, him. he was on the Steve, field. Steve, you are just mixing I, I, this. Yeah, I'm 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 lying. But he t- <laughs> so, but this did happen. I'm wide open. He throws the ball to Shep, not eight nine. Not one time, but multiple times. Oh, and now I, know, I, know I am going. furious. This that's by the way, Shep caught all the passes. Oh, now <laughs> all the pass. Not one pass, <laughs> not two passes, so, so not every, three. So every look he brought it in. Every look did not go. I didn't get one look. I didn't get. I didn't get a lick of the cone. I didn't get <laughs> on that drive. Uh, he didn't get anything. I didn't get nothing. And so they already can tell by my walk. You, you boiling right now? I know you boiling. Boy, if we talk about Maryland, blue crab, blue crab. I'm the water, <laughs> <laughs> instant hot. And so I go over there, and they, and Tory, being the way Tory is, Tory's like, nah, you know, he want to pat me on the back. Nah, big bro, you good? Peace, he being peacemaker. Oh, he being peacemaker. Yeah. I want no part of that peacemaking, right? Like, like Tori's m- Mama Monica, I'm trying to put them paws on somebody. <laughs> and so I'm like, 
So I think this story goes like this. I said, I, I said, Bobby Ingram, my wide receiver coach. And so I said, Shep was McDonald's. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm Ruth's Chris. And you do not take your family or take your girl out on a date to McDonald's. <laughs> you oh, take her God. to where? Ruth's Chris. <laughs> the, that, I'm not gonna lie, see, that was the funniest line I've ever heard from anyone. Cause He's saying in a normal tone now, imagine someone being pissed off, yelling, you don't go to McDonald's when you got Ruth Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I was dying laughing, but I mean, that was Steven. He was mad with me, but we walked in and we hugged it out. We yeah. good. I think it's about that time. Just uh, take a little breather. Cut to it, cut to it. Let's get down to it. Hey, Gerard, where did you get that T-shirt? You mean this thing? Oh, yes. I got it from CutToItPodcast.com, where we have exclusive merchandise. Shout out to our guys at 704 Shop. But yeah, you can go on, buy you a T-shirt, subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're looking for the most epic place on Earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Tori was that dude, a teammate of mine, that when I really look at it, when we talk about going down that dark alley, I remember there was a play that one of the DBs hit Tori late, and it was a run play. And I remember looking at him in the huddle. I'm like, bro, you good? He like, man, he got me pretty good. <laughs> you better breathe. And I looked at him. I said, I got him. And the next play... I didn't care what the play was. You just wanted to go clean his clock. I went and cleaned his clock. <laughs> I know, yeah, I knew, I know you. Like, and it was like, that was how I looked at my teammates, where we, we like brothers and sisters, right? Mm -hmm. you, you, bit, you, you bitch and complain, mm -hmm. you bicker, you fight. But nah, don't nobody bop you don't my cross. You don't, don't cross no, them. Nobody hit me. I can. I can. I can beat up Tory. But nobody. But nobody can. else <laughs> can beat up Tory. That's, that's that family mentality, though. That's that family mentality. mentality and 
Tory is one of those teammates that I was fortunate enough to play football with him. Mm-hmm. Fortunate enough a little bit. But I gained a lifetime friend mm-hmm. and a brother in arms and a brother I can call on for advice, good advice, and even bad advice to go, you know what? I know Tory going to give me the real. I know Tory's going to shoot me straight. And that's, you got to think about it. In a pandemic and in life, mm-hmm. man, those are rare people. Like, Tory's a unicorn. Mm-hmm. He's not one of those that you see all the time. And I experienced that, and I would have never experienced it without taking that leap and going out and saying, you know what, I'm going to go to Baltimore. And, and, and I got an opportunity to learn who, who James Torrey Smith was, in which there are many days that we talked in the meeting room a little bit about ball and a lot about life. life. Mm-hmm. And Trust I me, I needed it. I learned like. a lot from him. <laughs> And he's saying it, he needed it. You saying you learned For a lot sure. from him. But that's how relationships yep. should work. Exactly. Yeah, when you talk about a brotherhood, like we have too many one-sided relationships out here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And you have to have somebody that can pour into you that you can receive from them and, and vice versa. And for me, you got to think, I was in year four. I'm going into my contract year. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm stressing out over that. I'm having family issues like no other. And I was able to talk to Steve about these things. And to him, to have somebody that one, just listen, but also a person with a perspective, like they understand where I'm coming from. Like that meant the world. You know, I was newly married. I'd only been married like a year or two before Steve got there. And to be able to talk about different challenges there, like there were real life things Like I don't have, a lot of men that I call on or or feel comfortable calling on for certain issues. So to have someone that came into the room, like, you know, I, I believe in God. And I believe, I swear, like everything happened for a reason for Steve Smith to be there. You know, the same Steve Smith that Carolina might've felt like was an issue was a blessing to me and Baltimore in wow. that locker room. I got to give you kudos and also act like nobody's in a room and me not get emotional is because of you pushing me and challenging me, I would not have been an NFL analyst because I was, mm-hmm. when I looked at film, when I looked at a guy, I was like, he either can play or he can't. Mm-hmm. And so we had week four against Carolina and, and, and Bobby Ingram, who's a good friend of mine, a good friend of Tory, who I played against in Seattle as well. Um, he goes up. All right, Steve, you got to lead. You know this team like the back of your hand. And before I open my mouth, Tory goes, Steve, uh, don't give us everybody's a bum. Can you finally give us a real rundown of this team? And I kind of, you know, I, I rolled my eyes kind of like. Because you wanted to call well, like a kid. Bum. I rolled my eyes. Now that I think about it, I wrote it like one of my kids. <laughs> and, I, and I said, all right. And I broke down the team from the starters all the way to the guys that potentially would play. Mm-hmm. And I broke all them down right. with their strengths and weaknesses all. Wow. But I would have never I, – I, I would say this. At times in football, because I knew the game so well and I loved the game and I had a passion for it, I was lazy in my descriptions of people. And so Tori was like, bro, stop being lazy. Everybody can't be a bum. This dude – 
and, and <laughs> this dude is in the league for a reason. Uh-huh. Can you please tell me why is he good? What do you see? Because we will be in film and Tori come in there like, bro, what are you looking at? I'm like, I want to see this, this, this. I'm looking at this. He be like, why don't you explain that to us? I was lazy. Uh, he can't play. Because of that, Tori showed me what was inside of me that I didn't really realize that, hey, I can do this for a living. But it was Tori who pushed me. The guy going in his fourth, fifth year that pushed me, this old head, hey, bro, stop being lazy. And because of that, Tori, you built something in me that gave me the confidence to know, hey, you know, let me display that Stevan that I've harbored in and kind of guarded myself against. Like, you had so much knowledge. Like, Steve Smith's knowledge of the game. Let's not even talk about analyst stuff. There are things that he's seen during the game that would mean the world to younger guys. Mm -hmm. So I would, like, kind of be like the little brother that's pestering like man I want more you, you, you know find like out. I know like I know you know because you've seen it right like they're like so when we talk about film study and everyone talks about like oh everyone's great guys like Steve guys like Anquan both guys who played they could go out on that field any Sunday not even know who they're playing and go out there and perform and perform well why because there isn't anything new that they're going to see that they haven't seen mm-hmm. And to be able to communicate that when you know individuals and you're breaking them down, the way I may break down an individual is different to him. The way we might break it down together was different for Jacoby Jones or Bobby Ingram. So for us in that room, like, and I was the baby, you know, out of those guys, like it was always great conversation. But Steve, you knew he knew so much. And he, he was, I'm not saying like he didn't do it before. You know, he had a for sure way of communicating, but the initial sentence was going to be, everyone was a bum. And they were like, okay, now that we get that out the way, Steve, how would you think, you know? Yeah. But he was he was awesome with that as a player. And then next thing you know, I will never forget the Carolina breakdown because one, it was personal, <laughs> right? We knew how much it meant to him. But to study a guy, a younger Josh Norman, who is, you know, coming off of his first big year um, and, and seeing the things that, the weaknesses that he knew, from going in against him every day in practice, you know. So for it was a great experience to be able to listen and and to see it, and honestly to see him uh, dominate that day too. It's going to be hard to top a lot of the stuff you've already given us, whether it be talking about your upbringing or talking about mental health in the black community. But we're about to go into a part of our podcast we like to call the Deep Three. And so we know that a three route it isn't deep, so you're gonna let us be great anyway. So we know that. <laughs> but uh, these That's next hurt. three <laughs> these next three questions just allow us to take a deeper dive into you, you know, as a person beyond your profession. So mm-hmm. Smitty, go ahead and uh, lead us into the deep three. You celebrated an anniversary with your wife. What does being a father and a husband mean to you today? It means everything. You know, we just celebrated year seven and the responsibility that comes with that. Like every time I look at my wife, every time I look at my kids, I look at the individuals that I prayed for and that I made decisions for without even knowing they existed. And to have that responsibility to provide for them, to be challenged by my wife, to be a better communicator, to not let my past um, impact the way that I am with my kids and to be able to 
see them through and lead them, um, it's special, you know, and she's special in, in the way she helps challenge me. So I'm for sure thankful for it. And that's the biggest responsibility that I'll, I'll ever have on this, on this earth. And I don't take it for granted. I don't take that responsibility lightly. You know, it's, it, I'm, I'm fortunate that, you know, I was able to play as long as I did. And I'm looking forward to, you know, being more present now with my kids and I'm trying to be a better father and a better husband myself. Tori, you talked a lot about your childhood, what you saw, what you, what you experienced. Looking back on it now, what does forgiveness mean to you as an adult? Mm. Mm, that's really good right there. But put, put me in counseling right now, ain't you? Golly. Now, uh, <laughs> forgiveness is huge, man. Do you know for me how hard it was? Forgiveness is everything, but forgiveness isn't easy. I will say that. Um, but when you do it, it's very freeing. Like you feel like you have a weight lifted off of you. Like it's not yours to carry. Um, but I've been able to forgive my mother's ex-husband. Um, forgive doesn't mean that we're buddies or that we're gonna be hanging out or nothing like that. That might work for some people, but that's not working with me in this situation. Um, but I, for, I forgive him. Um, and you know, we, but we're all sinners just like him. Um, and I'm no better. So I forgive him and I, I can move on. I don't carry that same type of hatred that I used to have, that same type of hatred that would cause me to be up at night or to be in a rage every time I even think of his, hear his name or picture his face, you know, like I don't have that anymore. Um, I think of forgiveness for my mother as well. Mm. I used to judge my mother and, and for the situations that she put me through or my brothers, my siblings through. Um, I, I carried a lot of weight. You know, I, I've always loved my mother through that, but I carried, I was, I had carried a lot of weight and, and, and honestly, I would say hatred towards a lot of things, towards her in a lot of ways um, that I no longer have because my perspective is different. I've forgiven her and I understand. You know, when I, I think about, now again, I'm not taking away from the fact that these were her decisions and she made them, but I just take a look back at where I was at 25 and where she was at 25. Hmm. And if I was in this situation, would I have been or done any better? And when you think about it, it's, you know, it's, it's a tough situation um, and your perspective is different, right? I, I was 25 years old, Steve, and I, I think I was just around you. Yeah. Right. I was around that age. And, you know, my mother had multiple kids and still trying to survive, literally survive her abusive relationship. So um, it was a, a different thing, but I've been able to forgive her. And now I don't I don't I don't bring that up. You know, I, I, I try not to talk about the past towards her because you can't truly forgive someone and interact with them if you're going to throw it in their face yeah. every single time. Wow you know, you get into an argument or you bring back these old feelings. They may never go away, but I've forgiven her, so I know not to bring it up, mm. you know? And, and that's huge for me. So the last question, to end it all, if, you, if older Tory had the opportunity to go back in time and write a letter to young Tory, mm. what would it say? Um... Don't let your circumstances or situations make your heart cold. I feel like everything I'm telling y'all, I missed out 
not even that I missed out. I've carried a lot of weight. Um, I built up these walls to protect me from so many things. And it's even blocked me from the ability to love the right way. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a 31 year old man and I'm ha I have to learn how to love. Like that's the weirdest thing to say. Um, because love to me, like I said, the people around me, I'm like, if, if this is love, then, and you're saying you love me, like this doesn't add up. Like, <laughs> you know, like these decisions and situations you put me in, this isn't love, right? Yeah. And so for me, that process is with my, my wife. Um, being, I was, I'm super awkward. Like I didn't tell people um, I loved them. Like I made mm -hmm. sure my, because of what I saw and what people said, I love you, I love you carried no weight. I needed to know that your action showed it. So I went until I was probably about 22, 23 years old before I even told my people around me, started telling them that I loved them. Because I, it, it didn't make any sense if the action didn't show. And I always, and, and everyone's like, oh, you know, you just know how Tory is. You know how Tory is. Like he's gonna show you, he's not gonna say it, right? And I just kind of started to listen to that a little bit and think like, well, if I'm gonna complain about how it was for me coming up, I'm no better in the way that I'm handling these things. And it made me cold in a lot of ways. I'm used to disappointment um, from other people. I'm used to being disappointed from other people's actions. I'm used to uh, failure. And so all of these things kind of built this cold heart that honestly my wife has probably felt the biggest uh, blow from that in, in her journey with me and helping me to be better. So. Um, I would say that just open up more and, and not take as long. Cause I think I would be a lot more, I think my heart's pure in terms of like my intentions and my love is, I feel like it's it, the, the goal and the objective and what I want and what I project is pure and real. But um, I know my cold heart and feelings have hurt some people along the way. Tor. Yep. Love you, bro. Love you too, man. Love you too, G. Right, love you too, bro. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate Appreciate y'all having me on. If you find yourself in that place where you need help and you know, you don't know where to turn, for general information, we have a number for you on mental health and treatment services in your local area. 1-877-726-4727. Again, 1-877-726-4727. It's not about the stigma of mental health. It's about getting better within your mental health. Suck it up is not the answer no. to fix everything. Sometimes you have to seek help and seek an a outsider's perspective to get a healthy perspective of what you consider normal. And you know, moving 20, 20 plus times is not normal. No. Watching your mom shoot her husband is not normal. So that's what I really loved about Tori expressing and sharing and, and giving that opportunity to say, hey, mental health is something serious and we all go through it. But how we handle it and how we seek help is more important. You wrote an article for NFL.com two years ago and mm -hmm. really detailing your own journey and bout with depression, anxiety. And I just can remember the outpouring of love from people 
saying that how you inspired them and, and how you impacted them and even me being one of them, right? Just even having my own bout with mm-hmm. depression and mental health. And it's, it's refreshing to hear athletes, but just people in general starting to be outspoken about mental health because it runs so rampant. It is, it is, it, it is very much, it, it doesn't care socioeconomically, it doesn't care black or white, but it is stigmatized, right? It yeah. happens to be stigmatized in our black community. But I think the more that we can have these conversations around being transparent, being open, sharing our own experiences is the way that we can kind of pull ourselves out of yeah. it and, and normalize going to get help, going to get therapy, going to get counseling, and just becoming whole. Speaking up and not holding it in mm-hmm. is the first step. And if you can do that, you can take the next step. Cut to it with Steve Smith Sr. That is me. Is a production of Cut to It LLC, Balto Creative Media, The Black Effect, and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From Cut to It, executive producer Steve Smith Sr., co-host Gerard Littlejohn, talent and booking manager Joe Fushi. Social media manager, Peyton Smith, from Balto Creative Media. Cut to it is produced by Brian Baltashevich and Meredith Carter, with production assistance by Alex Lebrecht. Production manager, Sarah Pollock. Theme music by Alex Johnson. Lyrics and vocals by Anthony Hamilton. If you ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.